is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. This is most certainly true. Jesus is alive and death is dead. His tomb is empty and our hearts are full. His promises are fulfilled. The victory has been won. Easter brings fullness and life and joy and meaning and hope into our lives and brings them in fullest measure. Our songs of Alleluia will never end. Join us to worship our risen Lord with this Easter sermon recently delivered at Grace. The Holy Gospel, Mark's Gospel, chapter 6. This account is the basis for the sermon today. After miraculously feeding a crowd of well over 5,000 people, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately, he spoke to them and said, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, And the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. The Gospel of the Lord. Tony was staring, staring at his MacBook with squinting eyes and sweating brow. He could feel his heart beating through his shirt as one question raced through his mind. Scrolling up and down on the computer, he kept asking himself, how could this be? Tony, a financial professional, couldn't seem to figure out how his investment was completely gone, totally lost. How could this be? How could I be so foolish? All night long, Tony sat in the dark, sulking in shame, facing his biggest fears. Katie was staring, staring at her phone, scrolling up and down, looking desperately for something to make her feel better. But no funny TikToks, no Googled blogs, no silly Instagram pictures seemed to help. 
When I say that Katie barely scraped by high school, I mean she barely crawled across the finish line. It seemed like every day of school was a chore. It seemed like every day she was on the verge of having a mental health breakdown, especially in the past year of COVID all the time. Now Katie was about to enter a major university. Every last person was new and unknown to her, and there's a Delta variant out there too. Katie felt like she was swimming against the riptide in a massive ocean. She was tired and terrified. Amaya was staring, staring at the rearview mirror in her parked car at the stoplight. She gripped the steering wheel so tightly as if that was going to make a difference to hold back the tears. In that rearview mirror, Amaya saw her kids whom she loved so dearly. She would do anything. She did do anything for those kids. And so why was it on this random day with this random doctor's visit that she felt like she was going to lose it, like she was being pushed over the edge? Maybe it was because her husband worked nonstop and she carted around the kids so much that they rarely ever saw each other, rarely even communicated Maybe it was because they were in a house full of people and yet she still felt so alone. Maybe it's because she was exhausted, exasperated, and felt like she was drowning in life. Craig was staring, staring at his doctor in disbelief. His lips were moving, but he could hardly push out the words, What do you mean? Stage four. Craig was barely halfway across the sea of life at age 40. He always felt like he had much more rowing to go on the journey. But now he had this sinking feeling like his ship was going down and going down fast. Do I have any hope at all, Doc? He managed to ask. If it were not so awkward... I would have you turn and look at the people next to you and near you and around you here in church today. Here we come week after week to sit in church side by side, all prim and proper. But meanwhile, we all live in a world that is broken by sin. And that means that not one person in this room is exempt from the hurt and pain that a broken world brings. Each one of us has a reason, probably reasons, that we feel like we're just spinning our oars in the water, going in circles, or perhaps like water is flooding into the boat and like we're drowning in life. What is it that frustrates you so much? What hurts your heart? What storm of life leaves you feeling tattered, and battered, so tired, so weak, so worn. The gospel account today in Mark chapter 6 is by no means a parable or an allegory. It's a real story, a real life event that happened, and yet what the disciples experienced and did, it's so typical to all of us. What a day those disciples had. 
How did they even have time? How could they even sort out all their feelings and their emotions of that day? As you heard earlier, earlier in that day, thousands of people had swarmed to Jesus and the Lord took the opportunity not only to feed body and soul, but also to do some teaching for his disciples. And oh, they were so ignorant when Jesus asked them to feed all those thousands and and the answer, Jesus, was literally standing right in front of them. And, and then they were so dumbfounded when they filled 12 basketfuls after five loaves of bread and two small fish filled all, filled all these bellies of 5,000 plus people. What a day, what a miracle. And, and then the crowd started to disperse and Jesus was going to take time alone on the land to pray and he, he sends them across the Sea of Galilee. The point they were at, it was, it was maybe about six or seven miles across the sea. Maybe two or three hours rowing for 12 grown men. But as happened so often and so quickly, a storm descended on them as they were rowing through the night. And some of the other gospel accounts help us to fill in some of the missing information. What we find out is by this time, they were only three or three and a half miles in, about halfway stuck dead smack dab in the middle of the lake. And by this time, it was also somewhere between three and six in the morning after all they had been through that day, or bigger picture, after all they had been through in following Jesus, dropping everything to be his disciples, they are stuck in the middle of the lake, tired, terrified. They must have been so weak, so worn, so exhausted. It seems strange to me that the disciples are rather quiet in this story. Wouldn't you think at least one of the twelve would have chimed in in the middle of all this? Don't worry, brothers. Remember the power of Jesus we saw just hours ago. Remember, and the Lord told us to go to the other side. He'll help us and be with us. Wouldn't you think that one of the professionals, professional fishermen, Peter, Andrew, James, or John, would, would have turned to the left or to the right to encourage a fellow disciple? Don't worry, you landlubbers, Matthew, the tax collectors, Simon, you patriot zealot god has blessed us with knowledge and experience and together we'll get through this or don't you think at least when jesus came walking out to them on water that they would have breathed a sigh of relief who oh we forgot about the lord but here he is come to rescue us again no mark says they looked at him and they were terrified because they thought he was a ghost really not one of the 12 had the thought that this could be Jesus come to save them yet again. It's no wonder that Mark wrote this today. For they had not understood about the loaves, that is the feeding of the 5,000. They had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. No kidding. Not that they were hardened in unbelief. They were believers. But it's that their hearts were so stubbornly hard that they lost track again of who Jesus is and what Jesus could do, that they lost focus and forgot about Jesus as the Christ of God. And that, my friends, is what is so very relatable in this story. When I feel like I'm straining at the oars and just going in circles in the sea, when I feel so exhausted, so 
tired and weak and worn when I feel like the boat is flooding and I'm going down, those are the moments I need to remember. I have a bigger problem than drowning in life. I'm drowning in sin. My heart is so stubborn and hard too sometimes. In these difficult moments, how can I forget? How can I forget God's power, his plans, his protection, his love? How can I ignore what Jesus is and what he's done? And and Jesus certainly doesn't walk out to us on water today, but he does come to us through his word and in worship. How can I not see him so clearly? How can we not encourage and support each other all the more as we row through life together? How can we forget and lose track of who Jesus is and forget that he's the Christ, the Christ of God? There's no end to what a stubborn, sinful heart can do to lead us astray from our God. But brothers and sisters, how good and gracious is our Savior God. Our Savior God who sees sinners Not only drowning in life, but drowning in sin. And he himself comes to us and says, Take courage. Don't be afraid. And this story today provides so many reasons to have courage and not be afraid. You know, I've been thinking about this story for two weeks, and there's one particular phrase that I just can't get out of my head. It's stuck and reverberating in my brain. It's actually the first phrase of the first verse. Mark wrote this. Immediately, that is after feeding the 5,000, immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. He told them, he ordered them to go. It's incredible. And here's why. Because Jesus is God. And he knew what would happen. Just like earlier in the day when the thousands of people came, he knew what was about to go down on that grassy lawn. And when he asked the disciples to feed them, he knew they'd be stumped. And he knew he was about to reveal to them his glory as the Savior God. And so also here, Jesus knew when he said, get in a boat, go across the lake, he knew there'd be a storm. And he knew they'd get stuck. But he knew they needed an opportunity to see again that he is true God and true Savior of the world. How often... In our moments when we are tired and weak and worn, do we pause to remember this? Jesus knows. Jesus knows what you'll go through tomorrow and the next day and the next year and the rest of your life on your journey. Jesus knows what's best for us and how all things work for our good. Jesus knows when sometimes we need to be straining at the oars and stuck and and exhausted so that we can remember who's actually in control here. Jesus knows that sometimes we need to be driven down to our knees so that we can be reminded that he's not just a good luck charm or a good habit on Sunday. He is our Savior God. So take courage and don't be afraid because Jesus knows Another little phrase of incredible grace, just a couple of verses later, verse 48, Mark wrote this. Jesus saw the disciples straining at the oars. Now remember, Jesus is not flying a drone here or hovering in a helicopter above them. He's actually back on shore. Not only did Jesus know what was about to happen, but Jesus saw the disciples in their trouble. What comfort to you and to me? 
Our God doesn't just know what's going on in your life as if it's factual textbook information, but he sees you in your trouble and need. Jesus sees when you wrestle with your schedule and trying to manage work and family life. Jesus sees when you toss and turn in your bed with unsettled and anxious hearts. Jesus sees and and Jesus hears when you beg in mercy for prayers of healing and help. And so take courage and don't be afraid. Jesus knows and Jesus sees. Now that's all fine and good, but quite honestly, I guess that would not really amount to a hill of beans if Jesus did nothing about it. What comfort would it be if you had a God who knows what's going on in your life and sees you in your trouble, but then sits back on his heavenly recliner and binge-watches shows on Netflix? This is why our God is so much greater than other so-called gods, any other God on the planet. Number one, our God's real. Number two, he isn't made by human hands. No, he made all things. And number three, our God is the one and only God who comes to the rescue for his people. And so there were the disciples, seemingly having forgotten about Jesus, lost focus on him. Jesus knew, Jesus saw, and Jesus came to save. Mark says, immediately out on the water, Jesus spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. Jesus to the rescue. Now the point of this miracle, really every miracle of Jesus, is not just that the Lord will calm all the storms of your life and fill your empty belly and cure your every disease. Jesus can do those things and quite often he does do those things. But rather the bigger point of every miracle is that Jesus proves to disciples then and now that he is who he says he is. God come in human flesh to rescue us, not from storms, but from sin. And so how gracious is our God that he would know of all of our sin and see all of our guilt and yet come in human flesh to jump in the boat with us and save. As the torrential torrents of sin threatened to drown us. Jesus stepped in and washed them all away in the flood of his own blood. As we were tattered and battered by the winds and waves of our own guilt, Jesus stepped in to calm that storm too. Not by stepping up and saying, be still, as he did another time, but rather he calmed that storm by hanging on a cross and saying, it is finished. Even today, Jesus comes to us so clearly, so powerfully. Jesus' words are just as clear and powerful today in Holy Scripture. Jesus' rescue is just as certain today in Holy Baptism. Jesus' presence in your life and his forgiveness are just as sure in Holy Communion. So take courage and don't be afraid. Because Jesus knows and Jesus sees, and best of all, Jesus saves. Friends, when we have peace from that information, that is when we can have courage to live through all the other storms of life in this world. And so your investment portfolio, it might fall apart. 
and COVID might surge back and your family might be exhausting and the doctor might have bad news. But when we know who Jesus is and what he's done for us, that's when we can have the courage of the Apostle Paul that we heard in the second lesson today. Did you hear what Paul said at the very end? Sitting there in prison, about to lose his life, and honestly, shortly after he wrote those words, he was beheaded. And yet Paul said this, The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. The Lord will rescue As Jesus sees fit and as Jesus knows best, sometimes he rescues us from our diseases, our problems, our hurt and our pain. But best of all, regardless, the Lord will rescue me from all evil and bring me safely to heaven. That's why I need not be afraid. That's why I have courage in life. Quick church trivia to conclude today. Do you know What is the official architectural term for the part of the church that you all are sitting in right now? I know some of you know. It's called the nave. Nave is a word that comes from the Latin word navis, which means ship or boat. How appropriate. Take note as you come to God's house to be in this ship, how you are rescued and delivered from all the sin and evil around you, just like Noah and his family rescued in the ark from the first flood. Week after week as you come here to sit in this ship, take note how we row together through life, side by side, here also to encourage and support one another. Oh, and one more thing, one more thing to take note of as we come here to this ship. Something our forefathers did so well in the design. As we sit here side by side in the boat, so to speak. Our eyes are fixed squarely on Jesus as he blesses us and comes to us in his word and his sacraments, even still today. As we come to God's house and worship and sit in the ship together, fix your eyes, your ears, and your heart on Jesus, and then you will so clearly see him and hear him say, Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about God's grace or to support the work that we do to proclaim the love of Jesus in Milwaukee and around the world, visit www.gracedowntown.org. This grace is for you.